This is Corkscrew Convo's Another Theme Park Podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, DJ's Oregon Trail style vacation, the theater, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Now, DJ, when I say Oregon Trail-style vacation, I mean it in very tongue-in-cheek terms, but you headed (laughs) west, young man. You headed west like so many have before. You followed the trail to Colorado from the Midwest, (laughs) and I'm really glad that we're going to be talking about it for pretty much most of this episode. But before we do, let's just jump right into our listener question that we got, and this is... I mean, we're really getting down to business, DJ. <laughs> we're skipping uh, our idea corner. We're skipping the coaster uh, yeah. anniversary thing because we're in the 1930s right now if we were to do that. And there wasn't a ton happening for whatever reason in the 1930s mm. when it comes to coasters. So that's OK. That's OK. We just want to say if you are new to Corkster Combos, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. We usually do those little segments. But yeah, you make a good point, Chris. Not a lot happening in the 30s when it comes to coasters. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some, but not a lot, so that bit is getting a, a bit of a rest, pun intended, if that is a pun. Uh-huh. But, DJ, now let's get into our listener question, and of course, we're just going to go diving right into it, because that's what we do, much like Griffin at Bush Gardens Williamsburg, we dive right into it, and so does that coaster as well, being a dive coaster. Uh, but if you, dear listener, are interested in sending us a listener question or multiple listener questions, all it really depends on uh, what you're wondering about, what you're curious about, and or what you would like to talk to us about as you start a corkscrew conversation with us. There are many ways for you to do that, including our email address, corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. Uh, that's how Jay submitted their question. And of course, if you do submit a question, you will get a shout out on the show. So, Jace. A shout out to you. Shout out to you, Jace. Thank you. Okay. Uh, but there's also our Facebook page, our TikTok, our Twitter, our Instagram. Uh, we make it pretty easy for you. There's a lot of ways that you can uh, submit a question to the show. And so now let's dive right into it again, DJ, with Jace's question. Here's what they said. We've been hearing a lot about DJ's trips, so we have been thinking about our first real road trip. Ooh, what does uh, that mean? First real road trip. Well, I don't hmm. have an elaboration from them, mm-hmm. but I guess they haven't really gotten out there yet, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, they say, for someone in the Northeast United States, what should our goal park be? Like, where do you think our trip should end up leading us to? We haven't really gotten, quote unquote, out there yet. Thanks for your advice. All right, Jace, that's a pretty good question. And I don't know. I I don't know about you, DJ. I like to tell other people what to do (laughs) Uh, to a a point, to an extent. Yeah, Uh, I like to be a source of information, I would say. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of the parks we're going to be listing here, I haven't been to yet, but I know certain things about them. And I know people that have been there, of course. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about... 
trip planning. There's definitely a lot that goes into it, and we really do encourage you to explore your options so that you know what you're going to be getting yourself into in terms of accommodations if you go after something unique instead of maybe just a, a hotel room, uh, which can be quite an adventure, definitely. Um, and there's uh, like the roads, what roads are going to be using, what cities you're going to have to be driving through. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but let's assume, as we give you this information here for your listener question, uh, let's assume because you didn't give us your information, and that's perfectly okay, because don't tell people over the internet where you live. Let's assume that you are based somewhere near Massachusetts because you said the Northeast United States. Mm. I'm just going to go out there and say, if you make Kennywood your far point, there are... Uh, so many parks in that range between Massachusetts and Kennywood uh, that you could consider. I mean, Pennsylvania alone is chock full of parks, and some of them are the corporate regional mm -hmm. parks, but some of them are uh, incredibly unique parks that really contain a lot of hidden gems. So, DJ, let's go through this list that we assembled here right before the show about some places to consider. What you got for yeah, us? Yeah, and well, and a quick, a quick little uh, tidbit here. We're going to get to it because it deserves its own little talking point. But Kennywood, we're talking about our far point, so that's Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So everyone knows really where we're covering from Jace's point of view. So I think one thing you do have to consider uh, if you've never been there at all, and it might not be as much of a road trip to you uh, because we're assuming Kennywood is your far point. Uh, but definitely stop at Dorney Park if you haven't done that so far. It's a Moderately sized Cedar Fair Park in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Has some good rides, also unique rides. They have uh, the Hydra roller coaster, a B&M floorless roller coaster with one of the world's first, I think it was the world's first, JoJo roll. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is essentially a, a barrel roll right out of the station. So you, you basically go down a small incline and kind of creep through it uh, very slowly. Uh, I think there's a Maybe only another ride, Copperhead Strikes, the only one I can think of that uses that JoJo roll element. Well, and now the ride to happiness over in oh, Europe. Oh, true. True. That yep, incredible ride to happiness. spinning coaster. Yep, that's a good point. Uh, so they've got that. They've got Steel Force, which is uh, a great Morgan hypercoaster, classic Morgan uh, variety of wooden roller coasters. So uh, really kind of a, I would say even a historic park a little bit. All of those parks in Pennsylvania in that area, if, if Pennsylvania is the state we're choosing, uh, so much history, such old parks. Oh, definitely. And also in Dorney, uh, there is Thunderhawk, which is a coaster, which is I'm pretty sure is almost 100 years old. Oh, wow. uh, so uh, there's a lot of history there, but they also do have some of the new rides, too. Mm -hmm. uh, also over on the eastern half of Pennsylvania, or as the locals call it, PA, there's Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which... I mean, there's so much we could say about it, but it's an incredible park, so many coasters, and a really unique chocolate factory tour uh, that is actually a dark ride. And I haven't ridden the new version of this dark ride since it's been completely rebuilt, but I rode the old version uh, that was originally manufactured by Aerodynamics, which made a lot of iconic coasters of the past um, decades. And... Uh, there's a lot of good coasters there. They have uh, an inverted coaster, uh, Great Bear. They have a great collection of wooden coasters. I think that's going to be a theme for a lot of parks in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, they have uh, Lightning Racer. That's the name of it, right, DJ? Lightning Racer? 
I want to say yes. It's a it's a racing style coaster. Yeah. That sounds right to me. I know that they also have Wildcat there. I believe mm -hmm. the first GCI ever. So that's yes. a bit of history there too. Even if it only opened in the late nineties, and they also have Comet, which I'm pretty sure first opened in 1945. So uh, there's definitely a wow. wide range there. They also have a shooting interactive dark ride. They have chocolate everywhere. They have <laughs> these incredible shakes that are piled high with everything under the sun in its time. <laughs> well, didn't you also say, I mean, they've got, okay, they've got Storm Runner, which is an incredible Intamin launch coaster, it looks like. Uh, but isn't there other Intamin Sky Rush? Isn't that one of your very favorite coasters, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, I almost forgot about Sky Rush because it's been a while since I've been to Hershey Park. But Sky Rush is a... It's really something. It's sort of a coaster that's cut from the same cloth of Intimidator 305 at King's Dominion, which is another incredibly intense roller coaster. But with Skyrush, it's only a lap bar that is restraining you when you're in the ride vehicle. And uh, the outer seats on the four across rows, there's nothing beneath you. There's not the yeah, track. Yeah, you kind of hang it, over the track. Yeah, it's sort of a bridge-style design to a wing rider. Not quite a ring rider, but uh, it gets out there more than a, a typical four-across coaster would in terms of seating. Skyrush DJ. Now, I typically don't yell or scream or vocalize on a coaster or whatever <laughs> because, I mean, coaster riding is serious business, or at least yeah. it is to me. <laughs> Skyrush. Whenever I would ride it, and this is as true as it was from the first time I rode it to the seventh time that day, that coaster would make me scream, DJ. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I've heard it's incredibly, incredibly intense. And they also have Super Duper Looper there as well, which is oh, yeah. a very historic uh, Schwarzkopf looping coaster. Yes, yeah, one of the first coasters in the world to have a vertical loop. I believe that opened in the late 70s, and it's uh, built on the terrain, too. So it's a one-of-a-kind ride. There's so many great things to do at Hershey Park, so that's another one that you might want to consider, Jace, when you're planning your road trip. There's also Knobles in Elysburg, Pennsylvania, which is a little out of the way, but it is on the way if you plan your route right on the way to Pittsburgh. And this is a legendary park with some of the best wooden coasters out there, and uh, the craziest thing, entry to the park is free. Now, DJ, how does that work? It works basically you pay for the rides. I want to say, yeah. uh, as the locals would say, too, Ellisburg. Oh, Ellisburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, so, so when you go, Jace, you'll know you'll fit right in. You'll fit right in with the crowd. Uh, you pay for rides at this park. It's a park that's been in the Knobles family for, I think it's now in its fourth generation, I believe. Uh, but as Chris said, this is a very legendary park. They have the Phoenix, which is voted consistently as the number one wooden roller coaster in the world by Amusement Today's Golden Ticket Awards. Uh, now, there are a variety of awards out there, but you will find that not only is this number one in the Golden Ticket Awards, but many coaster polls throughout the, the internet rank Phoenix as close to number one, if not number one, many times. Uh, it has just incredible airtime um, with what's really key to this, a buzz bar restraint system, uh, meaning these restraints don't necessarily lock you in extremely tight or staple as some might say they give you a little wiggle room of course it's completely safe it's designed to do that but with that little wiggle room uh, you really feel the airtime more than you would on a traditional wooden roller coaster yeah so that is Knobles. Uh, they have a lot of older style coasters there they also have flying turns which is a one-of-a-kind 
bobsled style coaster, but it's made out of wood. And that's the only one because <laughs> yep. they sort of uh, they Looked at the old style. reinvented the flying turns coaster type. I mean, it was a, a relatively common thing back at the dawn of coasters, I mean, in the 20s and 30s and so on. But then it became extinct. And over the years, they uh, it was a big project, but they opened the first in modern history, Flying Turns Coaster. So that is also an incredibly unique experience there at Knobles. Imagine, dear listener, a, a half-pipe sort of track that you're literally yeah. going side-to-side on. Yeah, they got that. They also have Impulse, which is a Zier launched coaster as well. They have a, a nice selection of flat rides as well. <laughs> There's a lot to do there. It's a Flying really scooters, nice Chris? Well, yes, I've heard about their flying scooters. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard good things about their flying scooters. So, uh, yes. I mean, that's a, a great flat ride as well. But now let's get there to Kennywood, which is uh, what we, I know, with the little information that we know, what we suggest maybe your far point for your road trip should be, and that's near Pittsburgh, PA. This is another iconic park. Again, I mean, that's a, a theme when you think about theme parks and amusement parks and PA. There's a lot of history there and a lot of parks mm-hmm. with a bunch of history and modern coasters. And I think that fits Kennywood as well. Uh, we've highlighted some of their uh, coasters here in our podcast throughout the episodes. But also they have, um, they have modern coasters as well. Like in 2009, they opened a Skyrocket 1 custom model from Premier Rides. Uh, they have some pretty big flat rides as well. They have Phantom's Revenge, which mm-hmm. is a sort of Arrow, sort of Morgan um, hypercoaster, which is uh, built into the train. So it's a one-of-a-kind ride as well with incredible views and an incredible experience. And they also have uh, a coaster that just opened in 2019, which is Steel Curtain, and that has the most inversions of any roller coaster in the United States. It does, and I believe it's also the only roller coaster uh, themed and licensed to an NFL sports team. Uh, <laughs> we'll let you figure out which sports team that is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but lots of history at this park. I believe it used to be called Luna Park a while ago uh, when it first opened, uh, and there's just so many things that have happened at this park, and it's just one that you have to definitely check out, whether it's the Jackrabbit, their extremely old wooden roller coaster that has a unique Uh, I think it has two chain lifts, actually, and it starts at the top of the hill. And you talked about um, Phantom's Revenge, Chris, which used to be an aero hyper, had some loops. It was converted into a Morgan-style ride. You actually gain more speed on the second hill than the first hill, which is really interesting. Uh, And really just a park that has so much history that you you have to go to. It's more than a bucket list park. Uh, If you consider yourself into theme parks at all and you want to really have something to say, you know, hang your hat up and say, wow, I've been to this park. I think Kennywood is one of those parks that, that you need to put on your list. And in, and all of these places, too, I, I think we kind of glanced over it, especially Hershey Park, Knobles, Kennywood. Incredible, incredible food at all three of these places. Very unique food, um, food that's made on park. Uh, so many different uh, novelties, of course. But uh, they have this thing for pierogies over there in Pennsylvania. If you've never had a pierogi, uh, check that out. Oh, I like pierogies. <laughs> They're crazy about pierogies. There. They do a pierogi fest at, I think, Kennywood and Knobles every year. Oh, yeah. Well, these are parks, it's incredible to think about it, but 
we've only mentioned parks so far that are in Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's one state. Yeah. And barely touch Pennsylvania. I mean, there's still places like Idlewild, um, yeah. but you're 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 close to other places too, right? I mean, you're right there by Connecticut. If you had the chance, if you haven't been yet, you know, check out Lake Compounds in Bristol. That's one of the craziest terrain wooden coasters ever built. It's called Boulder Dash. Uh, and you know, I wonder too, Jace, if you're willing to go a bit further than Kennywood. I mean, Erie, Pennsylvania is right there. Uh, you could check out Waldemere. And then if you just went a little bit more west on Lake Erie, you'd be at Cedar Point. You know, DJ, I think we're giving Jace a lot of options. I don't know how long their uh, road trip is going to be, but, I mean, if they got the time and money and uh, stick-to-itiveness, they could see the whole world, I guess. But It's true. He's just so close, you know. It's a, it, uh, Kennywood is so close to Cedar Point. I mean, I think it's three or four hours. Yeah, I it's be about completely four wrong. hours. Yeah. If you could make it happen. I mean, some of these places... It's hard, though. I want to say, well, you could spend a half day at some of these places, but I don't think so. I think every park that we've named is a full day experience. Yeah, and I'm not usually one to spend half days at parks. If I'm there, uh, yeah. I want to get the whole experience. So I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, Jace, I think we've given you a lot of options. <laughs> we might have given you too many options, but if you do have any follow-up questions, let us know, and we would be uh, happy to bend your ear a little more about uh, what we think about with this road trip. It sounds like a great time. Have fun. Yeah, <laughs> and thanks for your fun. listener question. Definitely. And uh, consider yourself lucky. You're going to many parks that I've either been to when they've been closed or wish I could visit. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Jace. Thanks again for that incredible listener question. You got my mind racing uh, just thinking about all the great things to do in Pennsylvania and in the Northeast. I mean, I, I wish that I could take a road trip sometime to see all these parks again, too. So, Jace, thank you. Corkscrew Convos cleared for dispatch. Let's dive in. We're diving in, and what's going on this episode, Chris? Well, DJ, I specifically set out and I thought, let's really focus on one major topic for this particular episode, and that's going to be your trip to Colorado. Uh, yes, a uh, trip that I had planned for a little over two months. It was somewhat spontaneous. Uh, I announced on a maybe the last episode or the episode before that that... Uh, uh, my my wife and I uh, are expecting our very first child. Um, he's due. Yes, he's due very soon. Uh, we're getting down to crunch time, and so uh, we thought it would be a good idea. And both of our work uh, places let it happen uh, to really do what a lot of the zillennials—that's me, I'm a zillennial—are uh, mm -hmm. calling baby moons. Uh, and I thought, oh, what's a baby moon? And really, it's a millennial trend. But essentially, the idea is okay. Uh, it, up to this point, it's just been you and your partner living together, and you're about to welcome someone new into your home for, really, for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> and so things are different. Uh, of course, you could go on a vacation with each other, go away alone, but you still have to find a babysitter, that sort of thing. So a baby moon serves as really that that last vacation, that last time to really enjoy each other's company uh, alone uh, before your life has changed. And so... Uh, we debated a variety of different places of where we wanted to go. Uh, we weren't really quite sure what we wanted to do. Uh, and I had this idea, uh, and I said, uh, hey, uh, I know you really like Colorado. I do too. Colorado is probably my favorite state to visit uh, that I've been to. 
What if we went to Colorado and because I had not been to a park in literally over a year because of the pandemic, I thought, why not go to Glenwood Springs? It's a great, beautiful area. I could, I could have maybe a half day to enjoy a theme park. Why not? Let, let's just do it. What do you think? She was very enthused by it, very excited, like, yep, let's do it. So that idea worked out. And so we made our way to Glenwood Springs. Now, uh, we did leave from Kansas City this time to kind of cut down on the drive time. Uh, we also had to be back in Kansas City for an appointment. So basically what we did is we spent three days in Colorado in Glenwood Springs. And then we came back and we spent five days in Kansas City. And so that was the World's of Fun portion in Kansas City. Uh, actually did a lot of things in Kansas City. And I think we decided, Chris, that we're going to save that for for a different episode because there's a lot to talk about there. I did so much uh, that was very corkscrew convos related um, mm-hmm. that we need to talk about. But, you know, we started out uh, on, on a Sunday. We made the 11 hour drive from Kansas City to Glenwood Springs. You know, not too bad. Not too bad. It's You basically take, I say basically, you really do. You take I-70 really the entire way. Uh, there's a couple different highways I took in Kansas City to avoid some of the traffic to get onto I-70. But, other than that, it's it's one highway the whole way, uh, 75 mile an hour speed limit. That helps out a lot, um, minimum of 50. Uh, but the 11 hour drive took us from really the prairies uh, into the plains of Kansas and Colorado. Uh, you know, West Kansas looks very similar to East Colorado. <laughs> There's not much distinction there. Uh, and then you arrive into Denver, you go just outside of the uh, Denver International Airport, and then you jump over to uh, inside of Denver in downtown it kind of pops out of nowhere, Chris, but you go right by Elitch Gardens in Denver. Now, did you see it from the road? Yes, you you are right beside it. Um, their very old wooden roller coaster is literally right there. It's very close to the highway. Uh, but if you take I-70, you will see it. You see the entire park. I think it's surrounded by a small lake. Uh, but I was very close, and, and I've been to Denver once before and seen Elitch Gardens, and maybe I was just on a different road and it looked different, but... I was like just driving and holy crap, there's there's Elitch Gardens. You know, that's how it was for me once when I was driving through Oklahoma. And then <laughs> I looked up and I said, oh, look, there's a Schwarzkopf shuttle loop. Yeah, Frontier City has kind of that same effect. It's like, <laughs> wow, there it is. Oklahoma City, boom. I'm like, I knew Frontier City was here, but not like this. Oh, the wait, they have an aero like shuttle that. loop. Oh, whoops. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You got an aero shuttle loop and then they have a Schwarzkopf uh, looping coaster. But yeah. Yeah, they've got both of those. And Six Flags St. Louis is like that, too. You're literally just on the interstate. And a lot of parks are like that. Worlds of fun. It just depends, you know, where you're going. But for someone who wasn't expecting Elitch Gardens and a very old, white, painted wooden roller coaster, wow, that was really cool. Now, that's a park that may not be long for this world, unfortunately, because of... Uh, many boring business reasons about right. why right. that park is facing some uh, difficulties on the chopping block, uh, but the land underneath it has pretty much become essentially priceless since the park was moved there because it was moved uh, from another location previously. So, DJ, if you get a chance to visit that park sometime in the next year or so, I say take take that chance because, I mean... I don't know what the pandemic has done for the plans of the redevelopment of that site, but I don't think they're going to stay on hold forever. Elitch Gardens is a park that we might be losing sometime soon. So if we get a chance to go, I say we go. 
But DJ, you were driving through Colorado, 11 hours, you go around Denver, and now you're in the Rocky Mountains. Tell me when you first realized, oh, wow, look, those are some mountains. Well, it's really interesting on I-70 to drive into Denver. Um, you see the Rocky Mountains uh, well before being into Denver because of how massive they are. Um, I would say a good 40 to 50 miles before you're in Denver, um, you see the Rocky Mountains. So it's similar to the Smoky Mountains, if you've been there, kind of the same effect, but you see it much before you see the Smoky Mountains. And what helps as well is that, like I said, East Colorado is extremely flat. It might as well be West Kansas to be completely honest with you. Um, So (laughs) the mountains stick out like a sore thumb. It's really funny. Uh, And you also notice all of the wind turbines for wind energy for about a good four hours of that drive as well. But so you go, you go literally through uh, Denver. Um, You pass through the airport before you get there. And once you're basically out of Denver, the, the mountains are right there. It's really funny. It's like you're literally on the edge of the city. And then all of a sudden, there's the mountains. You're going up into them. Um, the highway I-70 takes you literally through the mountains. Um, you go through the Eisenhower Tunnel. It's a very long tunnel carved into one of the mountains there. Um, other tunnels as well. There's many points on the interstate that in Kansas and in East Colorado has a 75 mile an hour speed limit becomes a 45 mile an hour speed limit and sometimes mm. less. Many of the speed limit signs in the Rocky Mountains on I-70, if not all of them, are digital signs, meaning the speed changes very frequently. Um, This is a major highway system uh, in the United States, and so it has to be open as much as possible. Um, I have been through that highway uh, in the middle of January in sub-zero temperatures, and they keep that thing open somehow. Uh, Obviously, the speed speed limit is much lower. I think it was 35 or something, Um, but this time... uh, you know, there was snow on top of the mountains. It was really crazy. And I was watching the car thermometer, um, therm- ther- thermostat as we were going through the mountains. We started at the base of the mountains going up. I think it was about 70, 75 degrees. When we got to the tallest point, um, I don't know what the elevation was, but it was almost at freezing. I believe it was 38 degrees at one point. Um, so it's very interesting to see how all these towns are nestled in the mountains. Um, and it's it's interesting, too. You, you start on that sort of leg of the journey, it's about three hours, I think maybe two hours from the base of the Rocky Mountains to Glenwood Springs. But the first half is very snowy-like, lots of different mountain resorts, different ski resorts. And then about the last 45 minutes to an hour, uh, it's just a different type of mountain. I don't really know how to describe that other than lots of red dirt, um, less snow, uh, more... South Dakota-ish, maybe, Um, if that makes any sense. Just, they're mountains, but they're just different types of mountains. It's kind of how the Smoky Mountains are different from the Ozark Mountains, different from the Rocky Mountains. You're still in the Rockies, but um, interesting, again, how all of these different towns are are built up. Uh, We went through uh, really kind of, uh, let's see, Frisco, uh, went through what by where Copper Mountain is, um, went through Vail, a variety of just little mountain towns, and then... About the last 30 minutes, last 45 minutes of the drive was also the, the most beautiful part of the drive. Um, you're essentially on I-70 still, and at some points, the other side of the road, the part going east is underneath you, over here, way far away, sometimes on top of you, as you're literally navigating the canyon in Glenwood uh, to get to Glenwood. Uh, it's, you know, anytime you see a photo in a magazine of beautiful America, you know, there it is. Um, 
it's crazy to think that, you know, this is our country, that I can just go to a place like this. I don't need any special visas or anything like that. I literally just got in my car the same day, and within nine to ten hours, I was in the Rocky Mountains. That's, that's just crazy to me. Um, well, DJ, these roads, once you get really into the mountains, do they become the, I mean, the iconic, windy mountain roads that we see on car commercials? I think, yes, as iconic as they can be for a four-lane interstate, yes. Obviously, you know, you're going to have more beautiful two-lane roads all throughout the country, but for an interstate, I didn't know an interstate could look that beautiful is what I would say. Um, And then we did another tunnel uh, towards the end there. Again, more winding. We were by a stream at one point. It was so cool. Just a very clear stream for trout fishing, most likely. And then... I hit the biggest bump I've ever encountered. Uh, About one hour outside of Glenwood Springs, uh, they were doing some massive, massive bridge work. Uh, I slowed down for a couple bumps, and then one of them caught me at surprise. I still wasn't going too fast, but I think the back end of our car lifted off of the ground. It was pretty violent. (laughs) Pretty violent. Um, Wow. And like I said, I think I was going 30 or under even. I thought I was still hitting it pretty slow, but that last bump was crazy. (laughs) You know, I've hit a few bumps in my day. I mean, I think of an obscure stretch of the interstate in northern Arizona. When I was driving through there, there was a ton of fog, so I couldn't really see very far, even though I was on the top of a mountain. (laughs) And there's probably three or four enormous potholes that just came up out of nowhere, and I could not avoid them, unfortunately. And it went boom, boom. I went, oh, oh, okay, car, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's keep going, please. <laughs> well, you know, those roads, they, they snow over so quick, and snow like that all the time is the worst thing for a road, uh, snow and moisture from, from the melting snow. It just, it's just a perfect recipe for potholes. So I always wonder how much uh, money goes into maintaining just that stretch of I-70. Well, probably a lot, because if there's something that this country likes... It's its interstate system. <laughs> I mean, we have uh, we have hitched our wagon. <laughs> uh, pardon the metaphor, but we have hitched our wagon to the automobile as our transportation system. So it it does make sense that the infrastructure associated with these cars is uh, what we put our money into for the most part. Yeah, I think that tracks for sure. And you know, we're ending our I seventy trip here. We're rolling up to Glenwood Springs. I, we can, we're within 10 miles, and then finally we're within 5 miles. And then I looked up, Chris, although mm-hmm. I was driving, I, I was safely able to look up, and there it was. I could see the Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park on top of a mountain with, oh. the, can- <laughs> with the Canyon Flyer Swing Ride, the giant Canyon Swing, which is their large S&S swing that literally shoots out over the side of the mountain and the cliffhanger roller coaster nestled at the top of the mountain moving uh, with all the ride vehicles going and that was a very surreal experience to see how just how tiny these big rides are at the top of a mountain but what was so incredible there was a come and go chris uh for our listeners who do not know what that is what is that Come and Go is a gas station that, although does not have maybe the clout that Quick Trip or Wawa has, um, 
it's it's gaining momentum. You're starting to see more and more pop up. Uh, but I did not expect to see a come and go, which I see all around uh, this part of the state where I'm from in Glenwood Springs. And it was a no-brainer. I was like, yep, we need gas. That's where we're going. We're going to come and go. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to think about. I mean, uh, when I whenever I'm really on the road, interstates, just going around, I see a lot of loves. I see oh, some Seven yes, Elevens. I see mm-hmm. some one-off crazy theme gas stations <laughs> here and there, which are always fun yes. to explore. I know there are a lot of flying Texas. Jay. Yep, there's the Flying J. There's Bucky's as well in Texas, which oh, is Bucky's uh, honorable mention. Much it's a religion, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> down there. Uh, but now, come and go. Look at them being a, a regional player and expanding to Colorado. Good for them. And I'm glad that you were able to patronize them in a different state. <laughs> That's probably a really uh, special experience for you. It was it was good. Uh, you know, being from Kansas City area originally, I love my quick trips. But come and go will suffice. It won't ever touch a quick trip or a Wawa, but we love seeing a come and go. And so after I went to come and go and I had gone and went, uh, we went to our Airbnb, uh, which was in Carbondale. So Carbondale is about 30 minutes south of Glenwood Springs. Uh, Glenwood Springs is definitely a, I wouldn't say, the word touristy I think is a negative connotation. I would not say that it's touristy. Uh, this is, however, a place that people go to visit. Um, there's a variety of roadside attractions, different museums. It is the city where Doc Holliday died. Uh, so that's kind of the, the claim to fame of, of Glenwood Springs, at least. Uh, but we did not stay in Glenwood Springs. We went through the town to get to Carbondale. Uh, Carbondale is a very nice, quiet little mountain town, a very, uh, very nice downtown area, lots of little shops and boutique-style things, uh, a few gas stations and that sort of thing, and really an outdoorsman's paradise. Uh, if you like to trout fish, if you like to explore, if you like to hike, bike ride, kayak, Carbondale is the place for you. Uh, our Airbnb, Chris, I had not encountered a more quiet location. We went off of I-70 onto a state highway, onto then a county road, onto then an undisclosed road, onto really what was a dirt road that had just recently been paved in, honestly, the middle of nowhere. Um, There was no cell service at all. Uh, There was Wi-Fi, so we were able to still be in contact with the outside world. But it was so quiet, Chris, that at night I could sit out on the porch and I could hear the wind coming in before the wind actually got to me and blew over me. Does, Does that make sense? Wow. I don't think I've ever encountered that. Um, I mean, DJ, what you've described, I just imagine you rocking back and forth in a rocking chair on the porch. You're wearing a flannel shirt and some overalls. (laughs) You have a corn pipe, even though you don't smoke, but you just have it for the aesthetic. Just in the Um, mouth, chewing on it. Mm -hmm. You're an outdoorsman. You're a a folklore character come to (laughs) life, and I love it. You know, I'm glad I'm growing my beard out because I felt at least I kind of fit in a little bit. Uh, And I had my Patagonia shirt on one time, so I fit in a little bit more with the locals maybe in Carbondale. Uh, (laughs) I enjoy going outside. I'm not an outdoor enthusiast by any means, but uh, I fit some of the boxes, you might say. But, man, yeah, it was just crazy to hear this sort of... And then the trees around you start to rustle and it gets a little bit louder and the wind goes through your hair. I mean, there was no the dog barking. There was no p- 
police sirens or ambulance sirens. There was no backfire from cars. There was no engine noise. Nothing. There was no cell service. No one could bother me if they wanted to. Well, did you encounter any wildlife? So at this Airbnb in particular, and one of the reasons why uh, my wife was so gung-ho about this one, uh, there was a chicken coop. There were about six to eight chickens, I think. I didn't count all of them. Uh, but these chickens were accessible. <laughs> if you wanted to, to hold them, you could call the owner of the Airbnb. It was part of their house. It was a guest house underneath their house. And you could hang out with the chickens and say hi and do that sort of thing. There was also a cat, uh, a cat that the owners just have outside all the time. Uh, his name was Welly, which is short for Wellington. Very great cat. Uh, he greeted me on the first day and stuck by my side anytime I was at the guest house. Um, but also a weird thing for me too, uh, no air conditioning because it doesn't get hot at night. So really the idea is you open the windows when you're sleeping and then by the time you wake up, you close the windows, shut the blinds, and keep the coolness in all day. Um, some locations had a fan. I don't believe there was a fan here at this particular location, but there's really no need for air conditioning. The the floor was in the the heat was in the floor, I should say. This radiant heating I'd never encountered before, so extremely efficient. Um, but I was comfortable the entire time. And yes, we did sleep with the windows open. Uh, not only did it feel great, I also felt safe doing so. Um, and that was a cool experience. I know a lot of those houses, they just, they don't need air conditioning. They don't deal with humidity. They might deal with heat, but it doesn't stick around at night. So, uh, very interesting experience there too. Yeah, that sounds really special. I have, uh, never encountered anything like that. I'm trying to think of the most remote location that I've ever stayed. I mean, I've camped here and there, but like staying in an establishment that is so remote, nothing is coming up for anything like that. So it's really special that you got to do that over in Carbondale. It was great and some of the best sleep I ever got. But we have to move on uh, from the sleep and the uh, zen that I experienced and jump into day one. Uh, so we had breakfast in Carbondale on recommendation of the Airbnb owners. We went to a place called the Village Smithy, giving them a shout out because if you're in that area, you have to check out the Village Smithy Um was not what we were expecting at all. Blew us away. Uh, so much so, in fact, that on day two, we actually ate there again. So the breakfast was very good. Uh, had some French toast. I had a chorizo omelet. I love chorizo, so i uh, love to be able to try their version of that. Very good. My coffee, I drink black coffee, Chris, but my coffee was 50 cents with free refills all morning long. Was this a sort of a diner? You know, it kind of was. I mean, not necessarily a, a diner, just it was a family-run restaurant that had been there for generations. You could tell. Uh, it has some of the same decor from the 70s and 80s. They've switched some things out, but just a place where you could tell the town um, goes. Uh, it's just a tradition. Uh, you could see locals. Uh, it was one of the reasons we went. Our owner said, you know, this is where everyone goes in the morning. The group of guys go and have their coffee. A uh, group of ladies go and catch up and people be reading the local newspaper. Um, and that's exactly what it was. Um, I felt like a tourist, 100%. This was not a roadside attraction at all. I was with the Carbondale locals. Um, There's no advertisements for this place. The only way you would know about it is maybe jumping on Google and seeing the reviews or asking people where you should eat. Um, but wow, it was incredible. Great service. Everything was awesome. And they had art on the walls that you could buy. I always enjoy looking at art too. 
Um, so a great place to go. Definitely check out Village Smithy if you're in the area. But then after that, our breakfast was settling in our tummies. And what better thing to do than after eating a large meal than to go to an amusement park? Oh, yeah. So here <laughs> we are, Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park. How do you get there? You get there, uh, basically you take the state highway from Carbondale. It takes you towards I-70. Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park is literally off of I-70. It's less than a mile, maybe even less than a half mile. Uh, you would take the exit off I-70, jump right into the main street there on in Glenwood Springs, and you go northwest, and it's right around the corner. The parking lot is right off the highway because the park is up above you. So you take a gondola to get to the top of the park. Basically, there's two ways this happens. You've either bought your ticket in advance or have your ticket, and then you get in line to board the gondola, and they'll take your ticket or scan it. Or you buy a ticket in the box office at the park, at the ticketing offices, you buy it, and you take a separate line, and again, you get on the gondola there. The gondola is always moving. You can stop it if you need to, so they do have that ability if you can't load quite quickly. Um, but you get on the gondola. Uh, it's two benches facing each other, and they say, okay, have a great time. You know, enjoy the top. The door closes, and you're off. It's about an eight-minute cable ride to the top. There's no music in the cabins. There's no air conditioning. There's no heat. Uh, it's just you in a fiberglass car with plexiglass windows traveling up a cable system that we're kind of on this theme of quietness. Uh, it's very quiet, uh, except for the part where you literally go over the road. Um, you are going straight up the, the incline pretty steep at points, too. I was very surprised how steep it was. Um, I rode in the back technically so i was looking down from whence we came uh and i couldn't believe how high high up we were going i'd kind of look back and say okay like we're almost there right and you know we're not even halfway there it was kind of one of those things um so we finally get to the top door swings open they say welcome to glenwood springs adventure park we're glad you're here uh exits out to your right you say thank you you get off of the gondola you go to a pair of automatic opening doors boom you are in an old western kind of town square vibe uh some facades of some old west buildings welcome um, to westworld <laughs> exactly i still need to watch that um, oh it's good especially I, the first two seasons i've i've heard that i've heard season three needs to happen soon um, it's already out is it yeah oh okay well, i need to jump on that but you enter the park and it was different for me than maybe someone who's been there in the past because they're doing a lot of work at this park what normally would be a large stage in the Ferris wheel is now the Smokehouse Restaurant. Uh, this is a new oh. restaurant they're building at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park. Going to have all sorts of barbecue, pulled pork, smoked beef brisket. Um, but this will really be the main restaurant at the park. Uh, first thing you do when you walk in. Uh, other than that, you have a gift shop to your right. A variety of small games and concession stands, those were closed due to the pandemic, unfortunately. I'm sure those will open up very soon, um, but that was closed. But this was really the central hub, you could tell for sure. You know, if your kids are with you and they're going to go have fun, or if you're going to split up in groups, this is the place, Chris, where you say, okay, meet here in three hours for lunch. Basically that vibe going on. Well, when you were there, were there a lot of kids there? Because I know there's some parks you go and there's families of all ages, but then there's other parks and it's all just kids. And I mean, uh, both are fine, but I'm wondering what it was like uh, as a mix at Glenwood Caverns. 
Yeah, so we visited on a Monday. Um, I didn't expect hardly anybody to be there. Uh, the majority of patrons that day were small children. Um, we're talking 10 years old and younger, elementary school children, um, because of definitely a school trip. Uh, when we pulled into the parking lot to get on the gondola, I noticed probably seven or eight different school buses. Um, so that was definitely a market for them during the weekdays. Uh, school was winding down, so it was definitely a last part of the school year trip. Um, and I'm sure they were able to do this kind of spontaneously because um, Colorado had lifted the mask mandate for most of the state. Uh, so they were able to probably do that a bit easier than normally. Um, and so kids were there. They're having a great time. Now at Glenwood Caverns, um, you were required to wear a mask when you were in line queuing for anything or inside of any shop or restaurant. So that was basically the guidelines there. Uh, everyone was following it very well where they should have been. Um, so that was something great to see as well. Uh, but I would say a lot of kids. I think there were a couple senior trips there as well um, from conversations I was hearing, but very small groups. I would say in the park that day, there were less than 2,000 people. Okay. Well, that's uh, very interesting. I mean, you're there. There's the Western-style entrance. You got some kids there, but I mean, it's a theme park. What do you expect? <laughs> and uh, tell me, paint a picture for me, DJ. I am giving you the canvas and the paintbrush, but it's time for you to provide the paint. Yes, we open up to the park, this very large area, trees all around you. You definitely know you're on top of a mountain. Uh, the first thing we did before we did any ride is we cut to a hard right to see the beautiful landscape that is the Rocky Mountains. There's a large observation deck. There's a sign that says elevation 7,100 feet. You go to the right of that, you're on a large sky deck looking over the town of Glenwood Springs, which is literally a small dot in your eyes. You're so high up. You can see how the river system connects uh, into the, the city. I believe it's called the Roaring Valley Fork River, something like that. Um, you see where that connects. You see the very large mountain. I cannot remember for the life of me what that mountain is called, uh, but that's the largest peak in the area. Um, just drenched in snow, dwarfing all of the other massive mountains around you. Um, variety of little buildings here and there, people's houses just very, very randomly sprinkled throughout the mountainside. Uh, and then of course, I-70 cutting through it. Looks extremely small from up there as well. Um, and you can also see the same highway that we came into Glenwood Springs from Carbondale as well and how that fits into, into everything. And so they've got a variety of signs telling you the history of the mountain, telling you how millions of years the earth has shifted and caused these mountains to form, um, what used to be there, what the ecosystem used to be like, why it works great now, how the caves were formed. There's two caves at Glenwood Caverns Park. Uh, did not do either of those, unfortunately, just because of our situation with uh, my wife being pregnant and that sort of thing. But uh, we'll get back there someday. And it, it didn't really feel like a huge miss. I do want to say that um, I love caves, but I didn't leave not doing them thinking I really missed out. So maybe something to consider if it's really busy that day. Don't, you know, don't get too sad about that. But it was really great. The Sky Deck is by the current restaurant of the park. We knew we were going to eat a little bit later, still full from breakfast, so we then headed over back to the main area, took a left, uh, went beside the, the main peak of the mountain, which is in the center of the park. We, we went on the side there, hugging the side of the mountain, and we pulled up to the Alpine Coaster, um, which I believe is one of North America's first Alpine Coasters, if I remember correctly. Well, what was it like? It was a great experience. Uh, it was a weekend Alpine coaster. An alpine coaster, dear listener, is a specific type of ride uh, where 
one to two people ride in one single car and they control, you control your speed yourself. Um, so you have two levers, you pull up to go forward, you push down to stop. The levers are on the stop position always. So if you want to go fast, you got to pull them up the whole time. It takes a bit of force actually. You'd be surprised. It's not uh, as effortless as it might look. Uh, it's not difficult by any means, but it's just kind of a surprising thing there. Uh, the cars are spaced out using an innovative block brake system, which is really cool. So this Alpine coaster starts at the top, so it ends with a lift. Uh, normally there's a lift somewhere at some point on these rides. Uh, many of the ones in North America start with a lift. You're at the bottom of the mountain, but since you're on top, it's more like a ski resort experience that you might see in other places in North America or even over in Europe. Um, but you pull in the block brake, you sit there a minute to give plenty of time from the car in front of you to, to make it through the course, and then you're off. You push down, you take a sharp left turn, and immediately, do a pretty sizable drop, I'd say 20 feet. That really surprised me. Um, you don't see any of this ride um, from the guest path at all. The only glimpse you get of it is the gondola up. You see a bit of the kind of right and left turns that it takes, jumping through the forest, jumping through the trees. Um, but other than that, on the guest path, you really just see the lift up and the first turn down. Uh, so you take a very large drop for an Alpine coaster down. You immediately hit a turn. These turns are not banked. Um, like you would see on a normal roller coaster, if that makes sense, Chris. So uh, most Alpine coaster turns aren't banked for smoothness necessarily. They're there to really promote that lateral G, that feeling that you get on a wild mouse coaster. So a tighter turn, you know, if it was banked a little bit more, you'd be pushed into your seat. However, on Alpine coaster, you're pushed to the side. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're getting that side-to-side -side motion like, whoa, here we go. Okay. It's, it's one of those things that if you've never ridden an Alpine coaster before, when you feel that, you immediately want to hit the brakes. You want to, you want to pull up and say, oh, okay, whoa, 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 okay, this is, this is a little too out of control. But you have to fight the urge, Chris, on Alpine coasters. They will break automatically. They, most of them have an automated braking system, and you can usually feel it, especially when you go on some of these straight sections. Um, but most of the time, they'll, they'll break for you when they should. Um, and so you go through a variety of these turns, uh, very close to the trees. I don't know how fast I was going. I would wager between 35 and 40 miles an hour, probably. Uh, wow. might be, I'm, I might be overestimating that, but there were some points in there, Chris, where I felt like, wow, this is going much faster than I expected it to. Um, I have heard folks who have been in this park tell me this is the best Alpine coaster in North America, at least, uh, from the four that I've been on, which is not a lot, um, I would have to agree with that. I can't speak on every Alpine coaster, but it was good. I think it was the closest thing, and I told you this earlier, I think it was the closest thing to an actual roller coaster, big-sized roller coaster, that an Alpine coaster has ever come to. Um, and it seemed long. I mean, I was wondering, wow, this has got to end soon, right? And it doesn't. I'd say the, the ride itself is probably two, two and a half minutes until you get to the lift, so pretty long ride. Um, luckily person in front of me didn't really hit their brakes, so I never had to meet up with them. Um, so I was able to go full speed as much as I could through the ride. And then of course it ends, you brake, you slow down, you get on another block brake, and then you take a lift. The lift is about four to five minutes up to where you started. So that's just a moment to take in all the sights and really enjoy yourself. And I just kind of relax. I'm just letting the cable do the work, you know? I'm on vacation, yeah. I'm gonna relax in the seat. So that was the Alpine Coaster. Um, very cool experience and was Really the only ride that I did more than once. Wow. Well, it sounds incredible. 
Uh, again, I mean, I said this on the call that we had that we're about to play pretty soon. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm not afraid <laughs> to admit that. But, uh, DJ, why don't you run us through the other attractions at the park, and then we'll play that live recording that we took while you were there. How about that? Yeah, let's definitely do that. We'll, we'll wrap up some of these rides here. I, I then went on the Zip Rider. It's right next to the Alpine Coaster. Um, it's kind of in a clearing. Um, you know, the, the side of the mountain that you're on goes down a little bit while the Zip Rider goes up and it, it shoots up towards an artificially made tower that's essentially all it is is a large zipline cable. A car is attached to it with two seats. And this kind of powered mechanism, this motor really, grabs the top of the bogey with a separate cable and zooms you backwards, probably 30, 35 miles an hour, uh, up to the top of the tower backwards. You stop at the tower for maybe a second or two, and then you're released. It's not really like a dropping feeling. It's, it's basically a ride that's all about speed and kind of the precariousness of being on a cable so high up. Uh, so then you zoom forward, you go a bit faster than going backwards, I'd say more around 40 miles an hour. Again, could be wrong there. Uh, until you hit a catch car coming back in the station and a large air cylinder braking system goes zoosh very loud. Uh, it always makes people kind of flinch if, they don't, if they're not looking for that, not expecting that. Uh, you hit that bogey, though, and you stop. You're brought back down, you unbuckle, and that's it. You know, it's not... Uh, a special ride experience per se. I think what makes that special and really all these rides is the fact that it's on a cliff. Uh, so that was cool. Had to do that one by myself. Uh, did all these rides by myself, but that one was really funny because it's intended for two people. And so me being on one side, I weigh the whole thing down. It's like kind of crooked when I'm going up. Um, <laughs> there's a TikTok of this. Check out our TikTok, Corkscrew Convos. Um, I think I made a funny video of that. Um, me riding all by myself. I waited 30, 45 minutes to ride it. Maybe, no, maybe 30 minutes, 20 minutes, but um, that was good. Uh, then we headed over to the Giant Canyon well, before Swing. Before we oh, go yeah. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. to another one, what was the restraint like on this? So essentially you're in just a kind of a normal fiberglass seat, uh, and you've got basically two seat belts. Uh, so you've got one that looks like a car seat belt and another one that kind of has this rack and sort of rod system, or I should say kind of this rod that goes into a, a hole uh, that locks in differently than a seatbelt. It's really interesting. This is done by um, Stan Sheketz, who owns um, Soarin' Eagle uh, Zipline Company. Uh, it was a great experience, but you know, if you're afraid of heights, if you don't like things that are fast and loud, if, if you like a over-the-shoulder restraint, uh, definitely could be a ride that's a little intense for you. Uh, the couple behind me that, were, that was going to go after me, I heard them once say, oh, I feel like this thing needs over the shoulder or something. Um, so that's kind of the appeal there, that you're basically in the fiberglass chair with, you're able to move your arms, your legs, you can move around, you're just held in by two seat belts around your Ooh, lap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sounds great. Well, DJ, what else was there? So then we jump over to the uh, Giant Canyon Swing. On the way there, uh, the Giant Canyon Swing is on the other side of the mountain. So you go up a hill to get back to the top middle where you came in. Then you go down a hill to go the other side. Um, tried on the way to ride the Cliffhanger Roller Coaster. Unfortunately, it was closed. Um, I didn't let it ruin my day, though. We talked about this on a past episode. You know, go to a park um, just hoping for the best. Sometimes it's not going to work out as much as you would plan, but... Uh, it was closed. This was the original roller coaster, one of the originals of Celebration City um, that I had been on before uh, in my younger days. Um, so I was hoping to do that again. Unfortunately not, but that's okay. 
So then I headed over to the Giant Canyon Swing. This is the iconic, like, travel channel Facebook video clickbait that you would see uh, with two people on either side of the swing, um, literally swinging over on a pendulum over the mountain. So if you're on the correct side, which is the side I rode on, um, at the top of the swing, looking down, um, you just see nothing but the cliff going down. You see I-70 below you uh, in the cliff. Uh, you're obviously not completely over the mountain, but I'd say it's a good five to 600 feet below you. Um, so if you're not about heights, this is, it would, I think this is a very difficult ride. Um, I don't think this one is a family ride per se. Will there be kids in your family that would ride it? Of course. Um, but I would say, Chris, there are two extreme attractions at this park. Uh, this is one of them. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was screaming my head off. Um, I specifically said, I want this side because I don't know if I'll ever be here again. There was a storm coming in, might be my only chance to ride it. I said, I want to look down. I want to see that cliff. And it was great. The person they put me with, she had a great time as well. Um, but there were some very scared guests on this thing. Um, I saw more than a few people get close to the front of the line in front of me and kind of back out and go backwards. They, they didn't want to do it. Uh, but this is, a, this is an S&S air-compressed uh, swing. Very comfortable ride. I love these smaller ones. Kissimmee Fun Spot has one uh, in Florida. Um, just a different type of feeling as opposed to the large swings like Finnegan's Flyer, Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, uh, the version at Cedar Point, and then Dollywood and Silver Dollar City have a version too. Um, this is smaller though. I think what the nerve-wracking thing is, Chris, is that to get to the ride, for it to be over the side of the cliff, the line is essentially like this me metal catwalk structure. It's not a normal path like the rest of the park. And that's all connected to the ride and all connected to the same footers and supports. So as this thing swings back and forth oh. and the weight transfers, you can feel the structure slightly moving. Um, <laughs> wow. And yes. And for people like you and me, Chris, we're like, let's go. This is why we're here. Uh, but for some of those guests, it was just a little too extreme. I don't say that as a red flag to this park at all. I, I think this park has a great selection of family rides, kitty rides, and extreme thrill rides. Um, this is an extreme thrill ride. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, that's part of the experience is pushing their limits of what they feel they are able to experience. I mean, um, it's that same way with a lot of the larger coasters at a lot of parks. So um, that's definitely not uh, a unique thing in that sense for this swing ride. I mean, uh, I know at Worlds of Fun in Kansas City, they have a chicken exit for... Um, Timberwolf. Timberwolf, that's right. That yep. actually came off of, uh, they used the sign from the uh, Orient Roller. Express. Uh, oh, is it Orient Express? Yeah, you're right. I think you're right, the, you're sign right. the sign itself is from the is. Orient Express, yep. where uh, they built an exit in the station. Once you get up there, if you don't want to ride, that's perfectly okay. Just use this exit. Oh, it, it's called a chicken exit, but <laughs> don't take that to heart. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. because it's And if ever, dear listener, area. if you're ever on a ride and you really feel that negative about it, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Obviously, challenge yourself. And, you know, for some people, it's an accomplishment. And it's great to say that you've done it. But if you're really, really worried about something and don't think you can do it, I'm always on the better safe than sorry sort of, sort of uh, side of that. Because you don't want to make yourself sick. You don't want to really psych yourself out. So always consider that. 
Yeah, rides are about having fun, and sometimes people can have fun just by watching a ride, and I can definitely appreciate that too. That's a great way to put that ride, Chris. I mean, there were so many people just watching it. They would never ride it, but that was the thrill is, is seeing other people ride it, and they enjoyed that too. So that was that ride. Uh, one more thing to mention there. Not a seatbelt, but just a push bar that wraps around your waist. So again, arms are out. Legs are out. You can swing back and forth. I had my hands up the entire time, um, screaming my head off. I think I gave everyone a great show of that. I think that's going to be on the TikTok <laughs> soon. I've been waiting to make the right content for that, but I was so excited, and you can tell. And so after that, uh, re- headed over to the final ride of the day, um, probably in at least the enthusiast corner or in folks that like theme park rides and thrill rides and know about them. Uh, This is probably the most famous ride here at the park. It's the newest ride. It's the most themed ride. In fact, they say it's the Glenwood Caverns only themed ride, I believe is what they say, or first or something like that. That's the Haunted Mind Drop. Do you know anything about this ride, Chris? Oh, I've been following this ride since it was announced, and (laughs) it's incredible. I mean, uh, I'm I'm not going to spoil a a little bit. I'm not going to spoil very much of it because I want you, the person who has experienced it firsthand, to really tell us about it. But this is really something special for a lot of people. This is what put Glenwood Caverns on the map, if it wasn't already, is this particular attraction, which is incredible of what I've seen so far. It really looks like something that is worth the price of admission alone. Yes, I think um, parks like Glenwood Caverns, um, parks that are difficult to get to, um, they really have to do their best when they add any ride. Um, so some sort of claim, some something that makes a ride different. Uh, you could tell that this that was all over this ride. Uh, the park had an amount of money. They wanted the maximum amount of output they could do, basically the biggest bang for their buck, and I think they did it with this. So this ride, the Haunted Mind Drop, was built by the same person that built the Zip Rider line uh, and used to work for the company and own the company that also built the uh, swing ride we just discussed, the Giant Canyon Swing. This is a free fall drop tower that is located on top of the mountain in a building that drops 100 feet, which doesn't sound too high, but drops 100 feet free fall into a cave. Uh, you experience a pretty substantial temperature change on this drop tower. Um, I would say about 20 degrees is pretty substantial. Um, If you imagine a normal drop tower, right, you're at the bottom of the tower, the cable car or the, the, the car system grabs your car that you're riding in, it takes you to the top, you stop, they give you, you know, five seconds, make it, makes it pretty scary, and, and they drop you. Uh, this ride does the exact opposite. Uh, like I said, it's just in a building. The building's maybe two stories tall. Um, but you queue through, basically, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't been to the park, but it's a haunted mine shaft, essentially. Uh, it's been there for a variety of years. They're trying to reopen it. There's some cool dialogue, some cool effects, too, in the queue. Don't want to ruin any of those, but... Um, you're basically told a loose storyline. Uh, pretty pretty interesting in there. Like I said, it's themed, so the whole queue is indoors. There's black lights, cool stuff going on. That also means that this ride, I believe, operates year-round, at least when the park is open pretty much every day. You then go into this more lit area where you see the car, and it's so weird because you just see a row of seats. I think there's eight to ten seats, something like that. 
there's a floor. Um, there's kind of like a cage in front of you with some set pieces. You're greeted by a ride attendant says, hi, welcome. Uh, thanks for riding. Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and buckle your two seat belts. The seat belt system is just like the Zip Rider. So uh, just a basic car seat belt. And then the more um, kind of restraint looking, ride restraint looking seat belt, which is this long rod with notches. It goes in this hole. It clicks down a few times, locks you in. You're completely secure. Uh, but it's just two seat belts. It's, there's no over the shoulder restraint, no lap bar, nothing like that. The ride attendant is right in front of you. She basically tells you, okay, you know, enjoy your ride. This is a 100-foot free fall drop. Um, you know, we'll see you here in a, in, a, in a few seconds. You're like, oh, okay. That was kind of weird. She closes the door. Everything goes quiet. And then the lights go down. Uh, you're then seeing a show scene, something going on in front of you, like a, it's kind of a digital projection. It's pretty cool. A Pepper's Ghost effect, actually, is what they use. Uh, oh. So it, it's really cool. Um, it basically looks like, you know, spirits in front of you or ghosts, like translucent figures. They basically say a few lines, and then you hear the iconic line, fire in the hole. And you're like, what? And by the time you can say what, the floor had moved out underneath you. It was so quiet, you didn't realize. You drop 100 feet in the bottom of the cave. I knew it was going to do that, Chris. Uh, and I knew when it was going to drop. Uh, I, that was probably the most intense drop tower I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, they add some weight to the car from what I understand. So it's more than a free fall. Um, the seatbelt is forcing you to stay into the seat. The seat is falling faster than you, if that makes sense. So your legs wow. fly up, your arms fly up. Um, I was on the very left side, so I had kind of a little grab handle. Um, I gripped that thing extremely hard. I feel like my veins were popping out of my arm. And it seemed longer than I thought it was. I mean, obviously, it was probably a second or two. But I was like, oh, my goodness, this is taking a long time to drop. Uh, you hit the magnetic brakes, and it's over. There's a little show scene at the bottom. You're like, wow, I am in a cave. Um, all that time, the, the catch car is following you. It grabs you. takes you up pretty you know, fast, 20, 25 miles an hour to the top. You get to the top. You lock into place. The floor comes together. That's the ride. That's the haunted mind drop. Uh, and I screamed the whole way down, the whole way up, just yelling. Uh, I don't, my adrenaline had not been that high uh, in a very, very long time. I've done the outside version of this. I've done it with you as well, Chris. Oh, yeah. Uh, the That's Bigfoot my tower. favorite drop tower. That's the Bigfoot Tower. 100 feet taller, believe it or not. 200 feet mm -hmm. tall. Um, but it's different. Uh, you go up slow. You stop. You drop. Second favorite drop tower right now. That was also my favorite. But after riding the Glenwood Caverns one, it's just so crazy to think that you're that close to these cave walls that they've blasted out. Um, wow is, is really all I can say. Uh, I think my regret, my only regret with this trip, and my wife is going to be like, I told you so, was not riding this more than once. I could have easily marathoned this, and I chose not to um, because I just wanted to experience the park. And, you know, I was I was thinking about her, and, you know, she couldn't ride anything, so I didn't want to bore her to tears. I only did, had a half day here, and I'm glad that I was able to go, but wow. Well, if it's like a Western-style park, did they have one of those uh, – panning for gold attractions or you could yeah, buy a bag of sand. Uh-huh. They had one of those, basically a water sluice and you could pan for gold and find golden nuggets and that sort of thing. And after we did the drop, we went to the Outlook restaurant and that's really the only restaurant open, the only one there. Um, I got a, kind of a personal size pizza. Um, my wife got chicken tendies and fries 
it was good. It was, it was park food, but you know, it was good. Um, we ended the day. I got one more ride on the Alpine coaster, um, because I was able to do that. The line was short, uh, storm came in, so we wouldn't really have been able to do much more. Probably could have done the mind drop, but at that point, everyone was going to the mind drop because it was inside. So I thought, well, let's kind of call this and let's relax for the rest of the trip. So took the gondola back down, not before stopping at the gift shop. Um, I've got your birthday present here, Chris, a variety of presents to send over to oh. you via mail. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sure I've got a giveaway item here as well that we'll be able to talk about maybe our 500 follower giveaway. Might be a great item in here. Uh, and then got myself a really cool poster for my office. Looks awesome. I might take a picture of that and show it off, but really cool merch at this place. Um, lots of different things. They had like, you know, 50 style signage, new style signage, um, lots of I Conquered the Mind Drop, I Conquered the Alpine Coaster merch, lots of Colorado merch. Uh, so really a lot for really anybody. I, I was really, really impressed with the amount of merchandise they had. Yeah, it sounds like a really great all-around park experience, but before we leave Glenwood Caverns, how about we do a little bit of time travel and let's go to our call that we recorded of you in the park on top of the mountain and me on my lunch break at work. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, DJ, this is again another pretty different one that we're doing here today because you are on location at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park of all places. And please tell me what it's like because I've never been there. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Yes, Chris, I'm actually at a lookout point here. As soon as you walk into the park, and I shouldn't say walk into the park, I should say after you step off the gondola to ride the mountaintop gondola to get to the top of the park, I'm right by a sign that says elevation 7,100 feet. I look to my right, and I see all of the River Fork Valley, uh, the beautiful Rocky Mountains, uh, and really just an incredible place to be right now. It's a very comfortable 70 degrees with a light breeze uh, a little light shower there for about 10 or 15 minutes, but uh, otherwise it's been really just a gorgeous day. I've had a hoodie on and off, and uh, this is a park that, uh, if there was a park that could be a bucket list park, this is it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's such a unique park because uh, the attractions, they're good, but then what really makes this park unlike any other is where they put them, and they put them on the cliff. And that's, how has that been today, DJ? It's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, there's flat areas they've dug out to, to make different attractions accessible to folks. And then, of course, uh, you might go down a few hills to get some of the other rides. Um, but here where I am at, uh, it's very comfortable. And like you said, uh, many of the rides here at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park, you know, you, you could find it, you know, a variety of other parks, even some traveling carnivals in some instances. Um, but it's very different here. These are permanent installations, and they are on a mm. cliff. So while you may have done an alpine coaster before, the Alpine Coaster here literally goes down a cliff, and their drop wow. tower, the Haunted Mine Drop, uh, literally goes into a cave 100 feet. And I've done a 200-foot version of that same ride. Uh, this was by far more intense, more scary. <laughs> um, I, I was shaking at the bottom of that drop. Well, DJ, you kind of ruined the pun that I was trying to set up because I wasn't going to mention the drop tower just yet. I was going to say, well, we kind of buried the lead here, but that's, a big, that's okay because they've buried a drop tower. <laughs> and then I was going to bring in the haunted mind drop, but that's okay. I got to say it anyway. Oh, very but good. Very good. That's, I mean, yeah, I've ridden that other drop tower with you at Bigfoot on the Strip in Branson, Missouri. That's an incredible drop tower. So you tell me that the other one 
that you just wrote today is even better? Well, yeah, a hundred percent. There's a pre-show. That's really something. There's a pre-show element. Um, they set it up. It's a really cool story. Uh, and even as you drop and you, and the ride is technically over, you still have to go back up. And so while you're being winched up, there's even a little show down there uh, to continue the story. Very well themed. The Alpine coaster here uh, has to be the best Alpine coaster I have ever been on. Um, oh. It's probably the closest to a real roller coaster than an Alpine coaster can get. Lots of bank turns, uh, a couple quad downs that were really cool. Um, and, of course, I don't hit the brakes once when I ride those. There's okay. Stand check it's Eagle Zipline uh, ride that was really fun. I did that one by myself. And then probably I think the most iconic ride here, if you were to watch the Travel Channel or see something on Instagram maybe or Facebook video, um, would be the Sky Screamer uh, uh, swing that they have. It's an S&S air-powered swing. Uh, and you look down 1,700 feet uh, wow. if you're on the right side. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So what would you say is your number one attraction here today? You know, I would say all around, I'm going to have to go with the Alpine coaster just because I love that, but a close second and it may end up inching itself above the Alpine coaster here. Uh, if I do a trip review and really think about the experience might be the haunted mind drop. I don't know I'm kind of going back and forth. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a tough uh, selection to choose from, but that's a, a great problem to have, I guess, when you're trying to choose the best attraction at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park. Well, DJ, uh, round out the whole experience for me today. How is the food, maybe shows or merchandise, games, how has that been today for you? Yeah, so right now there are really no shows happening at the park uh, just because of the current situation that's going on. Um, that okay. will be revitalized from what I understand. Um, all of the rides were, were running excellent. The only ride I was not able to get on, unfortunately, uh, was the cliffhanger roller coaster. Uh, this was a coaster I was hoping to ride because it was at Celebration City. Uh, I grew up going to that park, and so I was hoping to ride something that I'd ridden before, but that's okay. It's down for the day. Um, everything has been very well presented. Um, everything is clean and very well um, kept up. At the same time, there's that rustic Western feel that they do very well. It's almost like kind of a, uh, an old mine town mining town mm -hmm. if you can imagine that um there's a variety of different things to experience outside of just the rides there's a couple places where there's some interactive show elements outside the haunted mine drop you can push a push a tnt plunger and make an explosion happen there's a fog effect that's oh. really cool um there's a <laughs> there's a hole that says uh you look in and it says man eating chicken uh you'll have to come to the park and see what that looks like when you look through the little people um my and, mind is you know, racing there is one... just based on that, DJ. My <laughs> mind is racing about what that could be. <laughs> there is one restaurant open right now, and that's the Lookout Grill. This is the main okay. building at Glenwood Caverns. Um, it's up at the top of the mountain. You can see out over the entire uh, Glenwood area, all the Rocky Mountains. Uh, and it's, I say, basic park food in the fact that it's burgers, salads, pizza, um, but it is very good. The pizza I had was a 10-inch personal pan, uh, probably shouldn't have ate all of it, but I did. Um, and it even had a cheese pole. The pepperoni was very good. Nice crust. So I was thoroughly impressed with, with what it was. And they do serve alcohol at this park as well. Okay. Well, yeah, it sounds like an incredible experience. I, I know a handful of people that have been there so far that I personally know. And now you're one of them. I really can't wait to get out to Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park. I haven't even been to Colorado yet. The closest so that I've seen to the Rocky Mountains is flying over it. And uh, <laughs> I got to get out there someday, and you're just making that want grow. The drive is incredible. The, um, the way that I-70 
meters in and out of the mountains is just really something that I can't really describe. And looking down and seeing the town literally in the canyon between two mountains, uh, it's, it's just insane. It's, 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 you can't do an Instagram post to really describe it well, and it's really hard to even describe it in words. You just have to experience it. Well, you said you can't do an Instagram post, but I'd say you gave a pretty good attempt on our Instagram. So I'd say <laughs> I did do uh, an, if the, a good if the listeners a good attempt. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, if the listeners, I mean, the story won't be here today unless we put it on a highlight in our profile, which we very might well. But uh, I assume we're going to have a lot of pretty pictures and various things to post here and there about Glenwood Caverns. Am I right about that? Absolutely. And great TikTok content as well, um, especially this, this S&S swing ride that goes right over uh, the cliff. <laughs> it's crazy to see these cars that literally look like small dots. Um, I had the time of my life. Uh, some people, I would say, you know, if you had to pick one ride that maybe folks, uh, I hate using the word chicken out because it's kind of negative. But if there's a ride where people have second thoughts, maybe maybe they don't think they're ready to do it. It was a swing mm-hmm. ride. Uh, many people were saying uh, maybe not. Luckily, of the two groups I saw that happen to, one group came back and they did end up riding it. And the person in question had an incredible time and was ready to do it again. Oh. So always go yeah. outside of your comfort zone. That's what we love to see. Uh, and even the, the tiny children's roller coaster, I'm not going to get a credit on that because you need a child with you to ride. Um, but just knowing that the kids were riding one ride after the other, they get off, come around the queue and get back in the, into the ride line. Um, those are memories they'll have forever. Oh, definitely. I mean, it sounds like a really nice park experience. They've definitely been growing a whole lot this past decade. I really look forward to seeing what they do in the next decade. I mean, people put rumors out there here and next. A lot of people say Glenwood Caverns is going to be the next huge growth experience of a park like we might have seen with Silver Dollar City this past decade as well. It's amazing to think about, DJ, and I'm really glad that you're there today. And, you know, I don't know really what you can compare it to. It's such a unique park, and I really didn't get that until I visited. But, you know, you talk, you talk about growth. I'm standing literally in the entranceway here. There's a gigantic restaurant facility being opened. I believe it's just called the Smokehouse. Uh, oh, Smokehouse. Oh, now we're yeah, talking. Just, just, just Smokehouse Barbecue. This is where the barbecue talk comes in, pulled pork. I'm sure they'll have yeah. uh, beef brisket, that sort of thing. Um, but they have literally moved the stage that used to be in the front of the park. They've moved that, and they've already moved the Ferris wheel further up into kind of this area that not many rides are in. So I would imagine if I could predict something, you'll probably see some of these more kid-friendly rides move to the middle of the park where the Ferris wheel is gone. And I bet that's where we will see maybe uh, the next extreme thrill ride on the outside of the mountain here. Wow, look at DJ doing little Planet Park predictions. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> this would be a good Planet Park episode, 100%. Oh, yeah. Sounds like it. Well, DJ, as we close things up, do you have any final thoughts in this little live episode that we're doing? This is a park that if you are slightly serious about visiting uh, unique parks and maybe, you know, you think unique parks are only outside of the United States. um, I have to inform you that you are wrong. Um, You need to make the trip over to Glenwood Springs here and experience the Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park. There's really nothing like it. I'm excited to see what growth they have. Uh, in the years to come. And maybe you're not really into amusement parks. You like our banter and you're kind of into amusement parks. This is still something you need to make happen. So figure out a way to do it in the next few years. You will not regret it. All right. Well, DJ, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day at the park to come talk with me about this. 
I'm on my lunch break right now. So uh, my day is not as exciting as yours, but uh, it's gotten a little more exciting <laughs> now that I was able to talk to you and hear about your day at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park in Colorado. Cause that I am, I'm really jealous. <laughs> I'll say that someday DJ. That's just the, the fuel to make you get here quicker. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Wow, I could hear the excitement in your voice, DJ. I mean, you had just had your lunch, you rode all the rides, and I could really hear how excited you were. And I was really happy that I was able to capture that uh, in a live experience by recording that then. So that was really nice. That was Glenwood Caverns, but that was only one day of your trip to Colorado. What was after that? Yeah, so we ended out the day taking the gondola back down. We switched places uh, going down, so different experience, of course. Um, we ended up hitting the Iron Mountain Hot Springs. This is actually a hot springs owned by Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park. Um, there are a variety of hot springs in the area, uh, but this one had the best branding. I think it was the newest. It looked like a great experience. Um, I'm glad we did that one. Um, it's very cool. Uh, you'd go in, you were given this wristband uh, for your session. Uh, you could also rent towels because we didn't bring any towels on the trip. I think they're like $2 a towel. Um, I think they had even swimsuits if you needed a swimsuit. We had those, though. Um, you basically, it was really cool. You get a wristband that has an RFID chip in it, and you go into the changing rooms. They have uh, very private showers. Um, you take a shower, rinse off if you need to, then you jump into your swimsuit. Uh, then your RFID bracelet works on any locker, Chris, so you don't have to look for locker 606 uh, at the bottom left over around the corner. Any locker that has a green light, put your wristband on it, open it up, put your stuff in go out to the hot springs. Uh, my wife did the, um, that kind of the family pool, which was, I think it was 94, 95 degrees, which is just like taking a bath, if not a little bit cooler. So she was safe to do that being pregnant. We checked all that out to make sure that was good. Uh, I stayed with her in there for most of the part. I did take about 10 minutes and jumped into the, I think it was a hundred degrees, maybe 102 degrees. Uh, one of the hot springs. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, just a you know, really time to relax. Uh, it was raining at that point, no lightning, but it, it turned to about a 50 degree day with no sun and rain. Uh, and we're out in the hot springs outside enjoying ourselves. So that was really cool to do. Um, I've done that in the past in Colorado, being in a hot tub when it's snowing, that's also really fun. Um, but this is a very great time to relax. So after the hot springs, what was over, we got dressed, rinsed off again, uh, jumped over to the Japanese restaurant. Great experience. Um, it was decent Japanese food. Um, I got some ramen, which was great uh, after being in a hot spring. Uh, that was really cool to do. Ended the day at Sunday's Ice Cream Shop, which was uh, a great experience as well. Great ice cream. I got a peanut butter Java chip swirl sort of thing. Um, yep. Uh, very good. Very good. Um, it's definitely a place where you can spend a lot of money. If you're not careful, they'll say, oh, would you like up to three toppings? And if you say, sure, each topping is $1.50. And would oh, you like the waffle cone? Of course, that's $2. So just be careful unless you're ready to spend some money on some ice cream. Um, lots of public parking you know in Glenwood Springs. <laughs> lots of public parking in Glenwood Springs. Um, you know, never struggle for parking, that sort of thing. That's how we ended the day. Uh, so that was day one. Uh, day two, uh, not much theme parkness going on, not much amusement park things happening, but we really just got to know Carbondale that day. 
Had our breakfast again at the Village Smithy. Uh, walked around at a variety of shops. Got some uh, baby gifts for uh, our son when he comes. From kind of like a little boutique store. Went to a store that was focused on international goods and not like uh, like world market or something like that. It was more of like a person who had went to a variety of auctions around the world and brought things back. So like antiques and that sort of thing. Didn't buy anything, but it was you know really cool to see what he had. We ate at a great Tex-Mex restaurant. Um, I think it was pretty authentic, actually. I think it was more uh, Mexican than Tex-Mex. Um, that was very good. We went to the post office in Glenwood Springs, um, mailed some postcards like old-fashioned would. That was really cool. Saw the Amtrak. Yes, you can take an Amtrak train to Glenwood Springs if you'd like, if that's something that's available to you, dear listener. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I imagine that train ride is incredibly beautiful. Um but that's available to you. Did some of the gift shops and more touristy things in Glenwood Springs. Um, just, you know, some of the fun clothing items and different mugs you can buy. Uh, really walked around town there, too. Uh, but my probably favorite part of the trip outside of Glenwood Caverns was our day at the, I believe it's called the Healing Nature Center? Healing Arts Nature Center? Something like that. Um, this very holistic um, very naturally focused place um, where you can do a variety of, you know, massages, facials, um, pedicures, that sort of thing. They have a natural cafe and even in their own Zen garden um, with a variety of things. So if you're into that sort of thing, uh, like we are, it was very cool. I've not done something like that before. Um, had a great massage. Every time I get a massage, <laughs> I think I've had four in my life. Um, I think, wow, I should do this every week. And I end up doing it like once every other year. So that's just how that goes. Um, but uh, that was a great experience. Um, had some awesome tea. I'm really into tea. So um, some of the teas we tried were really good. Uh, the cafe was great. And really, that was kind of the end of our day there. We ended the night at a very nice Italian restaurant, Allegria. That was more on the upscale sort of things. Um, but we were on our baby moon, so this was kind of our treat to ourselves, that and the massage. So it was really like a treat day, Chris, outside of exploring each town. Um, I had an incredible lobster ravioli. Um, just just wildly good. Oh. It's so good. I love, 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 love seafood. Almost got the scallops. Uh, that didn't happen, but... Uh, got the lobster ravioli, and my wife got classic spaghetti and meatballs. I should say meatball because the meatball is gigantic. Um, <laughs> this is a place that uh, the food was so good, there was no bread brought out in front of the meal. So very good. Um, yeah, have to recommend that place and really have to recommend Carbondale. The whole time I was like, wow, it'd be cool to live here. <laughs> uh, wasn't like Breckenridge or Aspen or anything like that. Just, just different. Yeah, that sounds really nice. I have never been to Colorado. Uh, my experience out in the Rocky Mountains area of the U.S. is pretty limited. Um, it's actually probably limited only to uh, some time that I've spent in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, because that's sort of Rocky Mountains, too. I mean, they have a, a different name for them there, of course, but uh, I have not gone to that region of the U.S. at all. I mean, I've lived a handful of places across the country, but it's really great to hear about some place that's really entirely new to me. So I'm really glad that you were able to go there and then come back here and share your experiences with us. So thank you for that. 
Absolutely. If you're trying to get out there, of course, like I said, you can drive. I-70 is really the best way to get there from a variety of places. You can take a train. Um, and if you've got the cash, you can fly in via United into the Aspen Airport, which I did a little research. The aviation geek side of me came out. Aspen is one of the most difficult airports to land at in the United States. So if you like challenging Ooh. approaches and very serene things, you would essentially fly into Denver, connect via United Express into Aspen. Okay. Well, DJ, do you have anything else that you'd like to cover about your trip before we hit the brakes? I just have to say how incredible of a place it is. I, I've not seen a place like it. The Airbnb was just incredible. I've not experienced anything like that before. Um, we had a wrench thrown into our plans. We were originally supposed to stay here for really six days. Um, so we weren't able to do that. Things happen. Um, we had to go back home for uh, a few reasons, but, um, get yourself out there, experience nature, experience people who love nature. Um, and really just take in all that this earth has given us. Like there's just so much to do. There's so much to just experience. Uh, even if you don't do the adventure park, just places to stop off and take in a deep breath, breath of fresh air and really, uh, just connect yourself with nature. I think it's one of the best places to do it in is Colorado. So now we can jump to my five days in Kansas City and, well, maybe uh, we shouldn't uh, do that. Uh, hold on there, DJ. <laughs> hold your horses. I mean, we're already uh, an hour 20 in before we add in our call on the top of the mountain at Glenwood Cavern. So this is going to be a decently long episode already. How about we save your adventures in Kansas City and all around there uh, for our next episode. How does that sound? That sounds like a plan to me. And dear listener, be sure to tune in to that episode as well. I spent five days there in Kansas City. Uh, I was telling Chris before we recorded this episode, we did way more in Kansas City than we thought we were going to do. So lots of corkscrew convos adjacent activities outside of that World's a Fun trip. Oh, definitely. I look forward to hearing more about that in our next episode. But it is time to hit the brakes, but we're not done yet. That's right, dear listener. Remember, send us questions. Let us have a corkscrew conversation with you. We're on pretty much every social media platform out there. Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all at corkscrewconvos or some variation of that. And our email, corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. Another way, way to get in touch with us. If you're like Jason, have a listener question you want read out loud and a quick shout out, send it over there. We also did a really fun uh, Instagram live uh, while I was in uh, Carbondale staying at the Airbnb after Glenwood Caverns. Um, we got some good questions on there, too. Very surprised at the amount of people that got on there. So check that out. And uh, I hear our TikTok's pretty famous, Chris. Well, maybe not very famous, but I'd say we're on the C list. Well, we, we've done some pretty cool things on TikTok. That's a, a platform, really. It's just about having fun and just putting something out there. Uh, it's a pretty intuitive video editing system, so it allows you to have some creative um, ideas and to express those there. And I think that we've done that in, uh, in many different ways. Now, some of it is just me <laughs> literally recording a satellite image and just talking about um, pointing out different things here at different parks around the country and maybe even the world eventually. And then there's other things like you riding the Skyrider, was it the Skyrider? Uh, something like that. It's it's the, the zipline ride I was talking about. Oh, uh, the zip rider. 
Zipwriter. I think so. I think that's yeah, right. So, I mean, there's a, a wide variety of things just on TikTok alone that we've been doing and what we will continue to do. I mean, Instagram, we got some pretty pictures and some fun. We had that Instagram live as well. That was a really cool experience to uh, talk to you about uh, what you were doing while you were still there. So that was a very nice um, opportunity to learn more. We also have the Facebook page that we can share and post various things to and the Twitter where we do like to um, engage with people here and there as well. Um, really, there's a reason to follow in each of these platforms, and uh, we make it easy for you to have a corkscrew conversation with us. As we close up, if you do want to help the show out, we do have an easy way for you to do that if you have an Apple iPhone. If you're listening to us on that Apple Podcast app, go ahead and write a five-star review for us. Uh, leaving those five star and writing something cool. <laughs> we'll give you a shout out if you do that on the show. It's pretty much the easiest way to get your username read out to a group of approximately 21 people. And really, that's what the internet's about when it comes down to it. Am I right, DJ? <laughs> that's totally right. But yeah, it really does help us out. It's a free way to help us out. And, you know, we hope to keep this show free. I say hope. That's our mission. Oh, this show, DJ, we I are know, keeping to, this show I had free. To go, I had to go back. We are going to keep <sighs> this show on, free. <laughs> but we appreciate you helping us out. And, uh, you know, it's a great way to do it. So consider doing that. Follow us on all of your podcast listening apps if you're on something else consider uh, following us because, you know, it, it puts our show uh, in your feed, in your listen-to feeds, your subscription feed. Uh, really, that way, you can always keep track if, of the next episode or one that you might have missed. It's really the easiest way for you to do that. I love to do that with my podcast, so, but uh, appreciate you doing that. But until next time, whoa, whoa, my... Oh, wait, oh, wait. Oh. And yes, we are all about that algorithm, so those follows, those likes, those reviews, uh, that is what we want. <laughs> I do also want to just give a quick shout out to Glenwood Caverns. Uh, they did end up uh, uh, hosting us for the day. Uh, you know, I bought my own food and that sort of thing, but they were gracious enough to um, give admission to the park for the day. So do appreciate that. Was not expecting that either. Uh, kind of was just asking for permission to record inside of the park and, and get some videos of the rides. And they offered to do that. So really appreciate the staff there. Thank them for doing that. Um, very incredible on their part. Do appreciate that. Was not expecting that, that either. So um, that was really cool. So I hope I, I did the park justice. Uh, like I said, if you've not been there, uh, please go. Uh, and I could have said that well before they hosted us. So uh, yeah. definitely, definitely get yourself out there and experience that park. This episode has been brought to you by Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park and viewers like you. Thank you. <laughs> I got Zoom flashbacks to PBS <laughs> between the lions. Yeah. Oh, I love those shows. That's a that's a new that's gonna be a new episode, uh, maybe content for us. Old PBS shows, but until next time, my name is DJ. And my name is Chris. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.